0: Welcome, and thank you all for joining us on Colin for our show Unruly with Ryan and Rob. Uh, this is your co-host, Ryan Knight, and uh, Rob is actually sick tonight. He just texted me about an hour ago, and he is not feeling well, but the show must go on. He Sending Rob uh, good vibes, and he will be with us uh, next week. But I'm excited to uh, introduce our guest, uh, Sherry Honkley. Uh, excuse me, Sherry Honkala. Uh, Sherry is the co-founder of the Poor People's Economic Human Rights Campaign. Uh, Sherry, welcome to Unruly. Oh no, did we lose you, Sherry?
1: Um, you lost me, and you found me again. You, you said Sherry, 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 Sherry.
0: <laughs> oh. Uh, welcome. I just introduced you. Uh, welcome to Unruly. Wonderful.
1: I'm, I'm really happy to be here. Uh, I, I belong in unruly rooms.
0: <laughs> yes, as do we all. Um, look, we're seeing a, a record level of homelessness uh, in this country right now, and our government is failing to do anything about it. Uh, thankfully, uh, organiz- organizations like yours, uh, the Poor People's Army, is stepping up and is actually doing something about it. Uh, you have fought to house over 30 families in the Philadelphia area by taking over abandoned government properties that were supposed to be used to house uh, the homeless, but were just sitting vacant, vacant. And the government is now trying to evict those families. Uh, so last year, uh, the Poor People's Army sued the Biden administration uh, and the Department of Housing and Urban Development. Sherry, what is going on here with our government that they are allowing government-owned properties that were supposed to house the homeless to remain vacant? And uh, do you see this model of taking over uh, vacant, uh, abandoned properties as a way to solve our national uh, homelessness crisis?
1: All right actually i i really believe that uh if we develop the political will in this country we could end homelessness overnight Um, we can build luxury units in just a couple days and uh, uh, according to the uh, cartographers uh, they're guerrilla cartographers that mapped out the entire country and every uh major city and, you know, the entire country, they, they found out like here in Philadelphia for every abandoned property, there's, um, uh, for every 10, uh, vacant properties, uh, for every homeless person. So if we wanted to end homelessness, we could totally do it.
0: So so what is going on with our government? I mean, our, our government built these these developments to house homeless people and they and they want them to remain vacant and they're trying to evict people who you are uh who you've gotten uh, housed. Why, why is this happening?
1: Well, uh first we we are so thankful to be on this show because there's been an absolute uh you know media blackout of uh our takeovers we've actually been taking over properties for many years um, but we have a large number right now and when the Biden administration announced a year ago that they were going to make housing a human right uh, we thought it was important that we held them to their word uh, especially because people say that you know the Democrats are the good guys and uh, they have the people's best interests at heart um, but when, as soon as we um, uh, announced the takeovers, uh, they, uh, and talked about housing being a human right, they were issuing um, uh, notices from housing and urban development for our families uh, to uh, leave the houses. And one of the families, um, it was the height of COVID where the city of Philadelphia had put this family up in a house, uh, up in a hotel um, because there was a fire and uh, a grandmother, a mother and her children, uh, they had all lost their home because they were all living together. And uh, at the height of COVID uh, after allowing them to be in a hotel for a week, they put them back out on the Avenue. So, we took this family, along with you know, over twenty nine other families, uh, and moved them into an abandoned property owned by Housing and Urban Development. Um, and whenever you know, whether it's the the city sheriff's department um, or the federal government uh, comes along and tells us that we have to leave one of these properties. Um, You know, that's when we go into battle. And so this time around, we took a case to federal court. Um, They threw it out of federal court. uh, But soon we will be announcing again that we will uh, be going back into federal court over and over again until we have housing as a human right in this country.
0: That's fantastic. I just when I read this story, I was completely outraged to know that the United States government has properties that it owns that is designated that it that it bought and purchased to use to for instances like this to house people who who are homeless or and who need to get back on their feet and these buildings are just sitting vacant and and uh, An organization like yours comes along, fights to get these people in, to get these people housed, and the government actually wants to kick them out. So I, I just think it's very clear, like whose side the government's on here. It's not definitely not on the side of the homeless and, and on the side of the people who are struggling. It's on the on the side of uh, of the of the private sector and, and of of real estate developers, right?
1: Yeah, they always figure out some kind of loophole or way for these properties to make it back into the private market. And uh, we all know, uh, you know, that the the fight for land is real. The fight for any place to live anymore in this country um, is very, very real. Uh, people can't afford to live anywhere. And, you know, they saturate our neighborhoods with poor neighborhoods with um, drugs and, you know, clear the land by, you know, Uh, committing the the genocide using pharmaceutical companies. uh, And then they, you know, take over the land, uh, you know, for these big developers and speculators and uh, take houses that could have been made into affordable housing and turn them into luxury houses and put them back out on the market. So um, it's, you know... And then they talk all this crazy rhetoric about how they care about homelessness and homeless families. And it was actually during the the Biden headquarters were actually um, less than like four blocks away from an entire large homeless encampment uh, during the Biden administration's campaign and their run for presidency. Mm-hmm. And, of course, nobody ever made it over to the homeless encampment.
0: Well, uh, Biden's, uh, the secretary, uh, Biden's uh, HUD secretary, uh, Marsha Fudge, she uh, had a quote a, a few weeks ago that, that I found pretty alarming. She said, and I quote, we have to use the private sector as partners to try to make sure that we can build to scale. And the only way to do that is to make it profitable for the private sector to build affordable housing. Uh, Sherry, do you see any solution to the homelessness crisis and the housing crisis coming from the private sector? Or is building free public housing and doing housing takeovers of abandoned properties the only way that we're going to be able to take care of this homelessness problem?
1: Well, the only way that we're going to be able to take care of any of these problems is um, if we you know, begin to start to practice the politics of love and a people-centered human rights um, which means, no, there is no negotiations. There's no, you know, getting in bed with the devil. Um, we have to organize to take back the basic necessities of life. So that's land, that's housing, that's food. Um, it's all of the things that shouldn't be up for negotiations. Um, we should have these things just because we're human beings. And, you know, we, we've, you know, spent our life, um, you know, out here trying to sell our labor and try to survive and take care of our families, um, you know, why, while, you know, billionaires continue to um, reap the benefits. And you know, I'm a, uh, I'm witnessing what's happening, um, you know, with people are being, you know permanently replaced by electronics and technology um and robotics and um we're gonna have to answer some very hard questions as a society what are we gonna do um if we have you know a majority of people that are part of the permanently unemployed i can tell you what the answer is now and the answer right now that our government is giving us is just letting people waste and die and um and, you know, we have to step forward and uh, begin to take on the responsibility of feeding clothing and housing people and giving them the kind of political education that they need right now and developing the kinds of warriors that are needed in order for us to survive.
0: Mm. Uh, I see we have a couple callers. I'm going to get to you guys in, in, after the next question. Uh, but I want to kind of dig back into what biden's uh, hud secretary said because you know I, I think it really speaks to just how delusional and disconnected uh, from the from the current moment uh, the democratic party is and also the republicans i mean both parties in our government are just completely disconnected to the realities facing the poor and the working <laughs> class in this country because the solution to the housing crisis according to the biden administration is to make it more profitable for the private sector to build housing this is absolutely delusional. It's the greed of the private sector, which is the, is, which is the reason housing is so unaffordable in the first place. Uh, we need a housing-first solution where free public housing is built not for profit, but to end the crisis of homelessness. Studies show it would cost around $20 billion to end homelessness in the, in the United States. And we just sent twice that amount to fund a proxy war in Ukraine. So don't let them fool you. The so-called richest nation in the world could fund housing and health care for all its people, yet it chooses not to. Uh, Sherry, is our government and both capitalist parties' refusal to provide housing and health care to all its people as a basic human right an indictment on of our system and proof that we need a better system?
1: Absolutely. And I think that, I mean, you really lifted up um, – the key one of the key contradictions and that's war um you know my my younger son uh you know he gets a lot of kids that send him different videos and they're always arguing politics with him to try and get to argue politics with me and he showed me this little propaganda piece about um you know the the effects of war in um the ukraine And it was like um, six or seven bodies that were laying on the ground um, that were probably dead. Um, And then the thing that struck me is that then I went out and got in my car in Kensington and drove down the road to go to the store. And there was about seven or eight bodies that were laying on uh, Allegheny Avenue. And the image was just... You know, it just really struck me the similarities that we have had um, more people that have died now as a result of the opiate crisis than died in Vietnam. Mm-hmm. And we have, you know, billions of dollars that are, you know, being spent on war. And, you know, I don't care if it's the Ukraine, Russia, um, uh, Palestine, Kensington, wherever it is. Um there should be no war. There should be no money spent on it. Um, and I don't buy into the, uh, whole politics of scarcity. Um, I see nothing but abundance, uh, everywhere that I go, uh, all of my travels. And this is truly about greed. And, um, you know, th- it's not going to be an easy struggle where they're just going to be like, Oh, You know, let me give up my four houses um, so that a person can have one house. Um, We're going to have to uh, fight to reclaim the basic necessities of life.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's just it's so striking to me because there's always an abundance when you talk about abundance. There's always an abundance of money for war, for, you know, for corporations, uh, you know, when you look and see how, how many corporate subsidies our government gives uh every year gives away every year, it's just it's amazing. There's an endless supply of money for the rich. Uh but when it comes to money to to house our people, to educate our people, uh to provide health care to our people, it's like, oh, how are we gonna pay for it? Right? There's never any money. And so when Biden's HUD secretary, you know, when she talked about giving more money to the private sector to as their solution to the homelessness problem. Uh, it didn't surprise me because that's what happens when you have a government and two parties that are completely owned by big business, right? Like solving homelessness, uh, is, is not their goal. Their goal is to profit off the homelessness crisis and give more money to the private sector, uh, that is causing the crisis in the first place. Um, and so, you know, that to me is kind of the crux of the, of the issue is our entire system is set up to literally exploit the poor, exploit the working class, and to enrich the ruling class. And you see that in every law that's written and every bill that comes through Congress, it's always it, – every time you have bipartisanship in this country, you know, they – You hear them on CNN or Fox News as if bipartisanship is a good thing. No. When two parties are owned by corporations and billionaires, when they come together, it means they're going to pass legislation that helps the people who own them, right? Which is the giant corporations and the ruling class in this country. So – We are so far away from anything that resembles dignity and justice for all people. So just to see that the Biden solution is to throw more money at the private sector as if they actually care about housing homeless people. It's just it's outrageous to me. Um, So let's let's get to our first caller and then we'll kind of get back on our agenda here. Uh, Belinda, you're on. Uh, Unmute yourself and, and feel free to ask a question to Sherry. Uh, Belinda, go ahead and click that little red icon it's, and unmute yourself. You're in the queue, and you can ask a question. Let's see if I can unmute you. Uh, Belinda, can you hear us? You just have to click on the little icon next to your uh, picture, the red one, and it will unmute yourself, and you'll be uh, on the show with us all right well that's not working out so i'm going to try andrew uh andrew go ahead and unmute yourself and uh feel free to ask a question
2: hey ryan and sherry can you hear me we can hear you right on um sherry i haven't heard of your work before but i'm extremely interested um i'm a little bit familiar, not an expert or anything, but a little bit familiar with the, I think it's called like the, the movement of landless peasants in Brazil. They've done a lot of similar sounding housing takeovers. So I'm, I'm very stoked to hear there's a group of people doing this in the U S but I'm, my question is, um, so you, you've already gone into federal court on the issue of housing. Are you aware? Has the court ruled, have the federal courts or state courts ruled? positively or negatively if there are any instances of a city trying to do what we were talking about where they actually just will buy uh, properties because I think the point that you made is so important that there's already a large ratio of housing to homeless people in the United States. Um, even if we understand that like the rate of homelessness, the numbers that we see from the state are almost certainly an undercount, there's still plenty more housing than there are people who need it. So like Has the courts, because I just can't imagine like a city saying, okay, we're gonna um, give, we're gonna use eminent domain, we're gonna buy um, 16 (laughs) hotels or condo units or motels or whatever, and we're gonna um, quickly convert them and immediately move people off the street into permanent housing instead of just using these for profit shelters. Like, I would just imagine a court would um, strike that down immediately because they don't wanna start that precedent, and courts are not just like, arbitrators they are political people who have a political agenda that is capitalist in every single case that i'm aware of so i'm curious do you know of any like wins or major defeats in court um uh, and also any thoughts on like have there already been or do you see a a lane for ballot initiatives to kind of do this on a state level just to start out well
1: i'm all about uh, trying several different paths. Um, but I do lean toward um, what Ryan was talking about. I mean, we have two corporate political parties and the, the courts are very much uh, aligned with those two corporate controlled political parties as well. But I think that, um, that it's important to take this thing over and over again To federal court because I think that um, the court of public opinion is incredibly important, and I think that having um, our government having to subpoena them and having them take the stand and telling us that it's okay that at the height of COVID that it's okay to put grandmothers and babies out onto the street. Um, when they could have been, um, you know, uh, so I'm all in favor of that. There's been many different, um, uh, tactics that have been used in different courts across the country over the years. Um, we even took a case once to the organization of American States, um, because we just thought it was, uh, devastating that uh when you have an abundance uh and you have the ability to house people and our our country just decides not to we had a homeless encampment once where uh there was a woman from uh, brazil and another woman from sweden and the woman from sweden um when she was at the encampment she started crying and i asked her why she was crying and she says because People in your country have adjusted to such a lower standard of living. And the woman from Brazil asked her why she was crying. And she said, I don't understand why people in your country just don't get organized and take back these properties. And so for us, um, we can't really afford to just, you know, throw out some rhetoric and that kind of thing. Um, we literally are housing everybody that comes our way and doing um, trainings uh, on Zoom on how to take over properties in as many places as possible across the entire country. Because I think it's, you know, similar to that, um, the the tactic where, you know, Rosa Parks and others just like sat down in the bus and decided that they were going to do things a different way um, I think we as people in this country have to decide that we will no longer tolerate children on the street. And when we do in mass, um, then that's where we're going to end uh, homelessness.
0: One thing that, that uh, really just outraged me is, and I think a lot of people are unaware of this, is just how many buildings and properties the government has that are sitting vacant. I mean, I think that if more people realize that the government has uh, buildings that could house homeless people, but they're just vacant because they want to they don't because they're in bed with the with uh, the real estate uh, industry. And 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 is that really I mean, Sherry, is that why these buildings are are vacant? They don't want they want to keep driving rents up. Right. And and if and if you provide free housing, that's going (laughs) to that's that's going to bring rents down a little bit, which actually will help everyone because. Most of the people I talk to, I mean, we can't afford rent as it is, right? I mean, the working class is struggling. Some of the rents right now, especially in the in the bigger cities, even in places like Los Angeles, that's supposed to be this super liberal city, it's like four thousand dollars for a two bedroom apartment in certain places. That's that's absolutely ridiculous. Like eleven 1, hundred square feet. So I don't understand. Like, is that why they're allowing these government buildings to stay vacant because they don't want to provide free housing? I mean, is that what's going on here?
1: Um well <laughs> absolutely because uh, that's outrageous <laughs> uh <laughs> you know uh speculators and developers um you know they'll allow these properties um to be turned into drug houses do whatever they possibly can um and uh the you know, like on my block, um, the conditions will get so bad that um, some developer will just come along and be able to buy the block um, because, you know, they've they've created this um, uh, deplorable situation where, you know, uh, the people that struggled to try and live in my neighborhood uh, got caught up because big pharmaceutical companies were selling fentanyl uh, and uh, people got caught up on opiates. And then, uh, you know, drug dealers took a lot of the abandoned properties. um, And many of these properties are actually, you know, the, the big drug folks and pharmaceutical companies, the police departments, I mean, all of these folks are a part of this whole social control and bringing down the standard of living in this community. Um, And then, you know, these developers just come along and they buy up the entire blocks and, uh, you know, develop their luxury uh, condos. And then the community is all excited because they get their very first co-op and they get their very first... uh, you know things that should have been here decades ago and it happens in every neighborhood across this entire country and um uh if we wanted to um we don't have to uh you know we could just take the demolition money um that on people's budgets across this country and use it towards you know use uh, a couple thousand dollars or even less than a couple thousand dollars and renovate um, some of these houses that have been sitting vacant for people to work and uh, create a zero uh, tolerance on homelessness and stop giving money to these private shelters um, that are, you know, making money off of warehousing um, men, women, and children in this country where, you know, many of the shelters are also deplorable conditions. Um, and yeah, so this is not a question of scarcity and you've got to be very careful not to get into that, you know, mind frame.
2: Right. Can I ask one more question before I hop off Please. here and make room? Um, so I'm, I'm not living in the U S right now, but I'm from Seattle and I know a, uh, myself and a lot of other people do just kind of independent, um, work to help out homeless encampments, people living there. And I'm curious, do you already have people in Seattle? Could you use people in Seattle? Because I'd love to just um, connect them to whoever you have there or start something up there. And, and, my, and another part of that is, like, are you mostly going after these buildings that are owned by municipal or state or federal governments?
1: Um, you know, uh, Our goal is to not spend the rest of our life in the penitentiary. So yes, (laughs) when you, when you mess with, uh, you know, we start, we're starting where abandoned by the federal government, who is the federal government? I mean, we are the government. Um, and so, um, we highly promote that people start with taking, Uh, property owned by housing and urban development, and then city properties. Uh, I even ran for sheriff. Um, I took a page out of history during this, you know, during the height of the lynching in the South. Um, Several African-Americans ran uh, for sheriff just out of necessity to try and stop the lynchings. And I decided to run for sheriff in Philadelphia uh, to stop the foreclosures. And I ran on a zero tolerance of, um, you know, that if I was elected sheriff, I wouldn't uh, uh, cooperate with ICE and I wouldn't have anybody foreclosed on. Um, and I wouldn't enforce throwing families out of their homes. And so I want to encourage people to use those, um, you know, strategies uh, as well. Um, But in terms of having any kind of faith uh, in the long run, it really has to be about reclaiming our human rights, because um, there's no way that uh, the Democrats and the Republicans, our two corporate political parties, are going to get together and say, um, you know, let's house everybody in this country. They're just not going to. And uh we've learned a great deal and have worked very closely with the MST in Brazil and other um, uh, landless and homeless peasants in different parts of the world and um, now have formed the poor People's Army um, after having you know uh, learned from uh, the zapatistas uh in Chiapas. Uh, that when, uh, sections of the population that that it doesn't matter if we live or die or we're housed or educated or have food, um, we have a responsibility to make sure that our children stay alive. And that's why we've now organized a poor people's army.
0: That's beautiful. Um, Andrew, thank you for calling in. Um, You know, in addition to giving more money to the private sector, uh, which has only made the housing crisis worse, as we've talked about, Sherry. The other way that both capitalist parties have responded to the massive levels of inequality that our capitalist system produces is to give more money to the police and criminalize being poor in this country. What does it say to you about this system that rather than meet people's basic needs, uh, that it wants to criminalize poverty and criminalize being homeless?
1: um it is um it is just absolutely (laughs) well well first of all um i i strongly believe that what we're dealing with now in this country is fascism and some people are afraid to say that word out loud um they think that you know the worst thing that came their way was trump um you know (laughs) and you know I don't like Trump but uh I got 90 99 other problems not just Trump. Um that um uh I lost my train of thought here. Um that uh we ask me that again Ryan I'm sorry. I was distracted. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, no, you you were right on point. I was just saying, what does it say to you about the system that, that about our system, that rather than meet people's basic needs, oh, it wants to criminalize yeah. poverty and being homeless. And oh, that's about, why.
1: Yeah,
0: you were talking about I fascism, think, which is right on. Yeah. I mean, and, and that yeah, Trump is just fascism, a symptom I've, of our problem. Yeah, not, yeah. You know, it's the, it's, the, it's the system. It's not just one person.
1: Oh, my God. I mean, it is so like out of control. I mean, uh, it was probably like a decade ago or whatever that um, Frontline categorized me as one of 13 people being in most danger doing uh, human rights work in the U.S. And that was like over a decade ago. Um, Since then, you know, I've met with presidents of countries, Chavez and Fidel, and, um, and just looked at uh, other systems, other ways of doing things. Um, and, you know, the only way that you get categorized for that, get categorized that way in, uh, in frontline is that I have, you know, four boxes of unlawful arrest. Me and some of my colleagues that I've worked with over the years, Galen Tyler in particular, I mean, just for housing families, Um, You know, they're constantly coming up with different ways to come up with trumped up charges. One time we were in front of the Constitution Center and both myself and Galen were both arrested and facing. We we were standing outside uh, and we had tickets to go inside and we were both arrested that day uh, while demonstrating on a public sidewalk. and We were both charged with seven felonies for assaulting police officers. Um, And the whole thing was filmed and that kind of stuff. Um, But it's just a regular way of doing things now. You know, now we can't do anything without there being a camera around. Um, And that's just a sad state. Uh, If people really think democracy exists in this country, uh, it doesn't, it's gone. Uh, freedom of speech in the press it doesn't exist um, you know it's it's just a matter of when they decide uh, that you know uh, they're better off uh, keeping you out here as opposed to locking you up because it might generate um, more people getting involved and active so we're really and we're really in trouble uh, in this country I think, you know, people, when they think about fascism, they think about, you know, prior times in history. They don't, uh, but what isn't isn't locking children up on the border, um, isn't, you know, arresting formerly homeless people for speaking out about homelessness, fascism, you know, um, isn't, uh, you know, the... You know, the shooting down of people on our streets isn't, you know, isn't this all a modern day form of fascism that's happening in this country? Um, We really think it is. And we offer people reality tours anytime people want to come and take a view, take a listen and uh, see how another part of the world lives. Uh, Even if, you know, many people that live in Center City have no idea um, what's really happening in Kensington. And there's Kensington's all across this entire country um, where we still have a situation where we have, you know, people in rural areas living in chicken coops, um, people who don't have access to the Internet, um, large numbers of people that don't have running water in their homes. And the thing that's all of these things have in common is that it doesn't have to be like this. People, there is not, there isn't scarcity in this country. There's abundance. There's greed. There's no reason for people to live um, in inhumane, impoverished conditions in this wealthy country. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, it's so interesting how they, they, they've labeled you as, as dangerous because, you know, someone who is, is, is fighting for basic human rights uh, and uh, inspiring others to fight for their basic human rights, of course they're, they're going to come across as dangerous to a ruling class which has commodified our basic human rights and gets rich off commodifying our housing and our health care and our water and our food. And, and you know, you, when you talk about fascism, one thing that a lot of people forget about fascism is the, you know, the textbook definition of fascism is when a government uh, merges with corporations, right? And that is the United States of America. I mean, our gov- our entire government and both uh, capitalist parties have completely merged with big business and the ruling class. And... Uh, especially over the last 50 years, uh, our life in America has been taken over by corporations and the corrupt politicians who do their bidding, that it seems quite evident that unless people start fighting back uh, and fighting to take it back, that we're going to be left with nothing. And I'm sitting over here like wondering, like, when is it going to dawn on people? that, like, When are the middle class going to figure out that like, they don't... The, the ruling class doesn't even want a middle class. Their goal is to create two classes of people rulers and 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 you know the people who uh who work to enrich the rulers that's what they want they want two classes of people rulers and workers and and, and and the ruling class is, is getting its way right now, and they have been for, for the last half century, pretty much ever since the New Deal. And even the New Deal wasn't that great because it was really just a Band-Aid to save capitalism, uh, and it was a Band-Aid to kind of quiet down the, the socialist and communist uprisings after the Great Depression and, and the labor movement. So, you know, we are in a very uh, tough situation in this country, and again, what, what really gets me is to see that, like... It, the, the two party system is failing like every day it's failing to meet the basic needs of the people and it's on full display yet you know there's people who are still insisting that somehow we're going to have change from inside this corrupt system. Which is absolutely, like, ludicrous to me. Like, there is no solution inside of the system. The only solution is to to fight and to join hands outside of the system uh, through direct action, mutual aid, and building independent movements uh, like the Poor People's Army uh, that are independent from both corporate parties and are fighting for the basic needs of the people, you know – Someone did an analysis of how much money we gave to bernie sanders two presidential campaigns and to the squad and Aoc and it came out to one hundred and forty million dollars was was done it was given was contributed to bernie 's two presidential campaigns and to the squad one hundred and forty million dollars and I just think like How much better, like, imagine if that $140 million, instead of wasting it on trying to reform a party that cannot be reformed, you cannot reform a party that is owned by Wall Street. Uh, imagine if that money was given to to your organization, if it was donated to the Poor People's Army, to help house and feed our communities. Like, that is what we need. We need, we need to start building power outside of the duopoly. Because the, 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 the duopoly and these two parties, they were built and structured to give power to the ruling class. So why in the hell would you give money and time and energy into two parties who are literally, uh, who are literally set up and were, were, were formed? To enrich the ruling class. You're literally going against your own interests by voting, by donating, and supporting the Democrats or the Republicans. Like, there's no reforming it. I tried for 18 years to do that, and finally I woke up four years ago and was like, you cannot reform this party. And so I just, that's kind of, I I feel like so much effort is wasted And, and the progressive movement, especially now it's, it's been split because there's those of us who understand that, no, you cannot reform the Democrats, but yet I'd actually say the majority of people still think that like, oh, but even though they rigged it against Bernie twice, like AOC can do it. And it's like, no. And even if AOC did do it, it would be because the the DNC knew that she was going to be their next sheep herder. Right. Like, I just don't understand how anyone can think at this point that there's any hope left in the Democratic Party. Uh, It it blows my mind. What's your thoughts on that, Sherry? Oh, God.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, I went off a little bit there. No, no. I mean, this is the thing that'll get me killed. Uh, if there's anything, and yeah, I there there's there's no hope uh, for the Democrats to be reformed. As a matter of fact, um, we are struggling because I mean it's one thing to just say you know the do not is but all those folks that get that soft money that protect Democrats that are actually responsible for. Communities, you know, and I have demonstrations in a Democratic City where the Democratic Party. was... you're up a
0: little
1: bit. Oh, can you hear me now?
0: Yeah, now I can.
1: Hello. Okay. Yeah, I can hear when, you now. You're kind of When we have, okay, when we have demonstrations there we go. in a Democratic Party state, um. Where all the programs, social programs, are run by Democrats. Um, and, and you know, I'm busy burying seven, seven people, loved ones, uh, because these um, supporters of a system uh, and their underlings that get their little jobs. Uh, and are able able to continue to promote uh, that we can reform the Democratic Party, uh, there's something really wrong with that. And, you know, that's why, um, you know, if you're working for the Democratic Party, you have a tendency not to like us whatsoever because we call it what it is. And, um, you know, the social control Um, And, you know, all these different, you know, front organizations that get established um, and these so-called large demonstrations, which are, you know, different um, members of, you know, organized labor or other um, Democratic Party organizations in this country that say that they're you know, not funded by the Democratic Party, but are totally funded by the Democratic Party. Um, they are also responsible for what's happening to people in this country, and that's to continue to take them down a road of convincing people that reform is still possible. It is not possible. The people, the the majority of people that have died, Um, As a result of big pharma, more people died than during Vietnam. All of those people um, had families and all of their lives mattered. And um, they were all preventable deaths. And, you know, places like here in Kensington, where um, you have to fight like hell just to be able to go and get detox when there's billions of dollars that come in, uh, to this city under the auspices of helping people, uh, address the opiate crisis. Something is wrong with that. And when all this money comes into town, um, from housing and urban development and it never makes its way to house people, something's wrong with that. And, again this is just an example of what happens across this entire country and so no it's not okay it's not okay to just be a spectator sport and be like oh yeah perhaps we can uh revive this dead thing for the third time uh i remember the beautiful night uh walking through the streets here in philadelphia um, when people came out in and and mass, mass, and when some of the members of the uh, Poor People's Economic Human Rights Campaign uh, walked off the floor of um, the Democratic Party during uh, Bernie, when Bernie um, didn't get the nomination. Uh, that was a beautiful night because the streets were filled here in Philadelphia and I really thought that there was a big um, switch in the way people saw what was happening in this country and then to see people go back again uh, to be you know bulldozed over again with tanks when um, more money was spent on, you know trying to elect Bernie again uh, as opposed to building some kind of independent political motion in this country. And the thing is, is that there's something really wrong with that. We have a responsibility to the people that are suffering as a result of our government and as a result of these corporate political parties in this country all around the world and these billionaires, Um, you know, Uh, We should care about what's happening in in, uh, Palestine, in Haiti, in all these other places in the world, um, just as much as we should care about what's happening here. And when we continue to um, uh, be as uh, ignorant and not take our uh, role in history seriously, uh, and join the rest of the world in building, at least for God's sakes, three political parties instead of uh, two corporate control political parties. When other places have 15 political parties, something's really wrong with us taking not taking on our uh, responsibility seriously. And
2: yeah.
1: so we, we've got to break our ties. We've got to, you know, all relationships and we've got to pull back the curtain and stop letting some of these organizations that are front organizations. You know, there's another organization that we get confused with all the time called the Poor People's Campaign, and you know they're very much which a is really of-
0: just a front. Which is really just a every every election cycle. He, I, I know who you're talking about. They yeah. every election cycle after the primary, they're 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 basically organizations who. They, they front as being progressive, and then their whole goal is just to sheep herd people even deeper into the corrupt, corporate-controlled Democratic Party. And you hear it every election, right after the primary, right after they've you know rigged the primary for their – the DNC has for its preferred corporate candidate. Uh, You see these organizations come along and say, okay, now we just need to vote blue no matter who. You need to get in line, be a good – You know, they try to equate it to like if you vote blue, like you're somehow a good person. And and when you talk – it's so interesting. We have this conversation about fascism. There is nothing more – yes, the Republican Party is a fascist party, but so is the Democratic Party. The entire Democratic Party exists to serve Wall Street and the ruling class. They literally exist to stop any real movement to the left. They are are a party that exists to control the people and to get the people to obey our corrupt capitalist and imperialist system. That is the function of the Democrats. And so when you see Bernie play along with it and you see AOC play along with it and just lead people even deeper into this corrupt party, it just, it blows my mind. And then I know a lot of these people because I used to be in the trenches with them. And it's like, they can't, they don't either. It's like, they don't want to admit they were wrong or it's like, it's like people just can't get it out of their mind that they're in an abusive relationship and the only way to end an abusive relationship is to leave it, like period. I don't give a shit if, the, if this means that the Republicans win a few election cycles because we've had for the last 50 years, every time the Democrats are in power, it doesn't matter. The Republicans get what they want anyways. Right now the Democrats have the House, the Senate and the White House and the Republicans are getting everything they want because that's how the system is set up. The Democrats are not there to help the people. They're there to control the people and to fool the people into thinking we have a democracy, you know. And so it's like if the Democrats would actually fight for a living wage, if they actually fought for, you know, Medicare for all and for universal health care, if they actually fought for to make housing a human right, that would be a different argument. But we've seen time and time again what Democrats do when they have power. And when they have power, they don't actually fight for any of their campaign promises that they that they use to manipulate you and get you in the voting booth or to get you to give 15 more dollars to this hopelessly corrupt organization. You know, they 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 do all these things and they say all these nice platitudes and give these speeches to just to to stop any dissent and to stop people from fighting for what we deserve which is our basic human rights. And so I really see the Democrats as as really the biggest uh, obstacle to us ever having anything that resemb- that resembles a democracy in our country And if you just look and see what the Democrats have done in the past two weeks They're fighting harder right now to kick a Green Party candidate off the ballot than they've ever fought against Republicans You know, so they can save their little speeches. They can, you know, they can spare me their speeches about saving democracy as they're actively destroying it by suppressing the people from having better choices at the ballot box. You know, like I'm done playing their game.
1: Yeah. And so I just want to say it loud and clear (laughs) Uh, is that the poor people's economic human rights campaign and the poor people's army have nothing to do with any uh, corporations. We don't take money from corporations or banks and we are not a part of the Biden administration and we are not the Poor People's Campaign. So I just want to clarify that for folks um, because I know in history when motion starts happening, the ruling class likes to confuse people and divert uh, resources, and support. So um, I want to make it really clear, if people wanted to uh, support a motion in this country that's independent of the two-party system, independent of corporations, support the Poor People's Army. We've got boot camps where we can teach political education. We can teach you how to take over abandoned houses, how to fight for land, how to uh t- reclaim reclaim uh, food, how to build your own health clinic. Um, we've got to start caring about each other and start practicing the politics of love.
0: And what do you say to those organizations who continue to pose as quote unquote, progressive, but are really just uh, fronts for the corporate controlled Democratic Party. And they're really deceiving the people. And and because we know that the Democrats are not going to fight for any of our basic human rights. So what do you say to those organizations who continue to deceive the people and just lead them uh, astray?
1: That uh, they have a responsibility to leave, to leave that money. Uh, I understand it's really hard because all the ones that we know, people started getting like forty thousand, then they got a hundred thousand, then they got a hundred and fifty thousand, um, and some of these organizations, you know, have uh, you know multi-million dollar budgets, um, and and so I know that it's it's hard to walk away from the money, but we have a responsibility. Uh, to figure out independent ways to fund our work uh, and to make sure that we're no longer uh, leading people off the side of the cliff. Um, we just can't do it anymore. And uh, so it's not just a question. I mean, people are literally making decisions to pay their rent, Um instead of making a fight for humanity and for generations to come and even for their own children and grandchildren and we can no longer support um you know groups that are out there uh that won't uh say out loud that they're opposed to war you know somebody asked me you know sherry where is the anti-war movement in your country um it really doesn't exist right now um, because the war at home not being fought and the war abroad really isn't being fought. And thank God for, you know, groups like uh, black Alliance for peace, people that are pulling back the curtain and really exposing the fact that um, uh, that we've got to make this break from corporate America. I understand that it's scary and it's not just scary. It's also, it's, it's dangerous and hard times. Um, the amount of threats that I get on a regular basis, um, the, the, the work that the money that's financed from the Democratic Party to, you know, mess with the algorithm and to make our back history disappear, to keep getting on my Wikipedia and changing things. I mean, that's a lot of staff. Uh, to make people disappear. Um, But we're not going to disappear. We're growing each and every day. Um, You can lie to people's heads, but you can't lie to their stomachs. People are not surviving and they're getting organized. And, you know, um, these folks that are joining the, not just, uh, you know, unemployed, but permanently unemployed sections of, of the economy. Um, They want some kind of direction. And we're here to help build as many fighters and warriors and teachers and generals in this army as possible. So if people want us to go anywhere, we will go anywhere. You got a couch, you got a pavement for us to lay on. We'll teach you how to fight. We'll teach you how to take back the basic necessities of life. The best thing that we got going for us is that there's more of us than there is of them. And if we get our act organized, um, uh, then we can take back this abundance.
0: Mm. Uh, Let's, uh, very well said, Sherry. Let's go to a caller, Owen, here. Owen, you're on. Go ahead and unmute yourself and uh, ask. Hello. How are both of you today? Good. Gotcha. Uh, My question today for both of you is, um, can you hear me clearly? Uh, we can. Okay, was, yes. Okay, gotcha. Uh, in this, sure thing. Uh, my question is, in this burgeoning new age of union popularization, what should be our strategy to keep the rich from using a weaponized middle class against the economic majority and from corrupting these new unions? Oh, that's a great question. <clears throat>
1: I think that, um, you know, uh, being a, a member of organized labor, many times myself, and uh, I was one of the founders of when the original Labor Party was established in this country and then sadly died after the death of Tony Mazzaki. Um The key thing is, is we've got to keep uh political education alive, which is basically non-existence in labor unions. Um, We've got to take people back to this whole notion of like why people, you know, began to fight the ruling class to begin with. And I think that we have to go beyond this whole fight for 15. Uh, You know, I was a member of the Teamsters and was working at UPS And every day I'd watch these, um, you know, we, you know, fight for living wages or whatever, the $15 an hour. And then I'd go out to the parking lot and everybody that was members of the teamsters um, that were uh, part-timers were sleeping in their cars in the parking lot because they were homeless. And the, I would watch all these engineers go in and they were putting in uh, robots. Well, the fight at that particular plant is not just going to be about raising um, uh, the, the wages to $15 an hour. The fight should be about what are you going to do with um, uh, robots permanently replacing all of the workers? Um, so there has to be a component about what kind of society do we want to see. Um, what do we have to do in order to make sure that we see the kind of world uh, that is possible and the kind of U.S. that's necessary?
0: And I would just add to that uh, something that Sherry said a lot tonight is is political independence. Uh, a lot of the unions uh, have been oh, corrupted, yeah. no money. <laughs> uh, by the Democratic Party. Uh, if there's one theme mm. in American politics, and I don't say this lightly the Democratic Party are masters of co-opting any movement that gives power to the working class, to the poor, mm-hmm. to marginalized communities. Amen. <laughs> they are masters of co-opting these movements, watering them down, and then eventually destroying mm-hmm. them. And that is literally the history of the Democratic Party. They exist to protect big business and to keep the people obedient to our corrupt capitalist system. So uh, unions have got to be independent union leaders that you elect have to be independent they cannot you you see a lot of these unions one of the unions just endorsed nancy pelosi for the house one of the most corrupt politicians in america nancy pelosi is just as corrupt as mitch mcconnell she's no Mm -hmm. different than mitch mcconnell and if you don't think that then you have been indoctrinated by the democrats propaganda and by their bullshit hope and change platitudes what democrats say when they're on tv giving speeches on CNN and giving these campaign speeches about, you know, all these platitudes and saying all these great things. That's not who the Democrats are. They're, just, they're, they're saying that to get you to obey the system and to get you to keep you trapped in the duopoly. Who the Democrats mm. are is who they are funded by. And you can go and pull the, pull the FEC filings. The Democrats took more money from Wall Street in big banks in 2020. Uh, they took more money from Wall Street than the Republicans did. Most Americans think it's the reverse because they're so indoctrinated by the Democratic Party's platitudes. And when you are living at the margins, when you don't have healthcare, when you can't afford rent, you don't give a shit about hope and change platitudes. You're like, mm. where is my healthcare? Where is my, where is a job that's going to pay me a living wage? Where is housing? And so the disconnect we're seeing is you have a bunch of comfortable liberals who, you know, if you're comfortable and you have healthcare and you have money in the bank, sure. It's enough for you to turn on the TV and hear Barack Obama or Kamala Harris or Pete Buttigieg spouting a bunch of platitudes and saying all this shit about equality and democracy. But they don't mean any of that. Because we see the Democrats, when they have power, they don't fight for equality. They don't fight for democracy. They fight to kick third parties off of ballots, they fight to control who you vote for, they fight to rig primaries against real progressives, and they fight to, to keep you obedient. And they fight for their corporate donors. They fight to bail out Wall Street, when the economy busts, which it's going to again here real soon. That's who the Democrats are. What they say doesn't matter. And, you know, and I think in, in any sense, like, show me who you are. People are who they are about their actions. We have to look at people's actions, not what they say, because you can get on TV and say anything. And time and time again, over my life, the Democrats will say one thing to get your vote and then do another when they have power. And so that's why, to me, they're more dangerous than the Republicans, because Republicans are just kind of like, you know, yeah, we're giving more money to big business. We're supporting wars. They're very just bold and brazen about their corruption. But it's the Democrats who are deceitful and they they try to appeal to our higher angel, like to our higher self and to they try to pretend like they care, but they don't care about us at all. So when it comes to Mm -hmm. the labor movement, it has to be 100% independent from both corporate parties. And we have to stop allowing the Democrats to occupy the space of where a real leftist socialist party should be. Uh, Mm -hmm. Because if we actually had a real left in America, We would have a party that actually fought back against the Republicans and wasn't Mm -hmm. collaborating with the Republicans on legislation uh, to benefit Wall Street and to benefit their corporate donors. Because remember, Mm -hmm. both of these parties, they get their money from the same places, you know, big Mm -hmm. business. Big Pharma, uh, the military-industrial complex—they give about half their money to Democrats and half their money to Republicans because then mm-hmm. it doesn't matter who wins the election. Uh, they hedge their bets, so whoever, whichever corporate party wins, the corporations win and the rich win. So that's why. Mm-hmm. So we have to stop. We have to separate from the Democratic Party. It sounds scary to a lot of people, but I do not see a path to change in this country unless we do that. And I would also, in addition to Sherry, who is one of the, uh, you know, one of the biggest leaders uh, in the leftist movement and in the socialist movement. I would encourage people to listen to people like Shama Savant, people like Chris mm-hmm. Hedges, people mm-hmm. who are much smarter than me. They will say the same thing. One thing that they say over and over again, Shama said it on my podcast last year, is we have got to separate from the Democratic Party so we can build a real workers' party and real workers' movement that is going to actually fight for... Uh, the dignity of the 99% and not fight to keep enriching the 1%. Until we do that, you know, these elections are, they're all, it's an illusion of democracy. We have no democracy in this country. It's an oligarchy that is controlled by these two corrupt parties. So that's really what's stopping change. So we need political independence. Not like, oh, we're independent, you know, like some independence. You know think that there are a lot of independents in this country who swing more right no i'm not talking about that kind of independent i'm talking about being politically independent from the two parties who are bought and paid for by corporations so that we can actually build a movement and a party uh, and a system that actually represents the people and not the ruling class that's our only hope and so uh, that's why i was excited to talk to sherry tonight because sherry's doing that uh, with the poor people's army uh, so kind of to wrap up here, uh, Sherry, how can people get involved who are listening? How can they get involved uh, in the Poor People's Army?
1: Well, they can definitely go to our website at uh, poorpeoplesarmy.com and uh, sign up to come to one of our boot camps. We have educationals every Monday night. Uh, they're over Zoom so people can join in. Uh, We talk about all the various different things that are happening in this country, how to break from the democratic and the Republican party, um, how to uh, identify people that are actually doing some independent work in this country, how to align with them and how to make sure that you and your family are getting to know your neighbors and getting them, getting organized block by block across this country. So um Uh, If you're one of those folks that doesn't have time to, you know, just physically get involved yourself or or that kind of thing, you can also support our work. Again, we don't take money from uh, the banks or corporations, so we're always in need of resources, um, you know, because the movement doesn't run just on love alone. So um, we need people to support our work. Another thing is, is that we, we have a People's Fest coming up in September, where we're trying to get mu- artists and musicians to understand that they Democratic Party. So we're trying to have as many artists and musicians uh, performing in uh, late September here in Philadelphia, and, you know, announcing that, you know, they're going to break from this alignment that's killing them as well uh starving artists is you know just not rhetoric artists are starving um and then also uh people from the faith community all walks of life uh until we decide that we're gonna walk a different path and get off the treadmill that we keep going back on uh we're not going to build the kind of different world that we need to see. So, uh, there's a role for you. I don't care what it is. And we hope that you get involved.
0: Sherry, thank you so much for taking the time with us, uh, this evening. Uh, I really appreciate it. And thank you for all the great work you're doing. I encourage all of our listeners to go to poorpeoplesarmy.com, uh, get involved, uh, in the movement and, uh, Sherry, I hope we can connect again soon. and, And again, thank you very much for everything that you're doing.
1: The same back to you guys. Uh, you guys are one of the rare programs that's speaking truth in this country and around the world. And we really thank you for it.
0: You bet. Uh, thank you guys, everyone, for listening to another episode of Unruly. And we'll catch you next week with an all new episode. I hope everyone has a happy and, and safe weekend. And again, please, uh, if you can, support the Poor People's Army. Uh, they're doing great work out there. Thank you. Thank you, Sherry.
1: Bye, Ryan. I hope to talk to you again soon.
0: Same. Likewise.
1: Okay.